and welcome to Marketing Meanders with Sally and Sam, the podcast that talks about marketing at the coalface, the everyday conversations, ideas and little gremlins, challenges you want to work out. We talk about them here. And today we have another one of our very special guests, Barry Clark. And Sally will be talking to Barry about sales conferences. Now, Barry is Managing Director of Dunedin Consultancy, and that focuses on training and development in the hospitality and retail sectors. And today they have a very nice little meander through this topic. So I will let you enjoy. There's part one and part two. And let's get started. Hello, everybody. This is Sally from Sally and Sam's Meanders. And today I'm going to go on a meander with Barry Clark. And Barry Clark is from Dunedin Consultancy Limited. And I'm sure he's about to tell you what he does. Indeed, Sally. Um, good afternoon. Great to be with you again today. Um, Dunedin Consultancy is a, um, a training and business development consultancy. I work with um, small and medium-sized businesses in, in two worlds, really. Um, my, as No doubt we're going to talk about my kind of previous life when I had a real employed job. <clears throat> I worked very much in the hospitality industry um, in business development and leadership roles primarily within the hotel sector and um, so I still do focus consultancy with hospitality businesses and um, helping them train and develop their staff, helping the business leaders and owners to grow their business and build new product streams and, and um, grow their, their top and bottom lines within the business. Um, I also do similar work within the SME sector um, so I kind of diversified over the last few years that I do um, particularly sales training and um, selling skills and sales process training uh, and I support business owners in the SME world with um, focus one-to-one -one business coaching. That's brilliant thank you very much Barry. So now I'm going to ask you the big question we're going to talk about sales conferences today mm, yes. and so we're going to start off why do they matter why should we have a sales conference what do you think Barry? <clears throat> well you know, Sally, in, in my old in my old life in um, the corporate world, I I, I built myself a, a kind of niche reputation being um, somewhat of a troubleshooter, someone that um, had the skill set, had the had the ability to take the underperforming businesses and sort them out. Um, and you know, every business so over the kind of fifteen years or so that I was doing specifically that kind of troubleshooting role. Um, every business I went into that needed help, I found three, there's three fundamentals that were lacking, or in many cases were missing completely. Um, one of them was a, a sales culture. There was a lack of that commercialization, you know, the realizing that um, it's not just about serving products, um, that you, you've got to commercialize it, you've got to generate a profit, you've yep. got to keep the people coming back. So that would be lacking. Sight of the till. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I think it's always a danger within service-based businesses that you get fixated upon actually delivering the service, that it's really easy to forget about the commercial aspect, that you have to deliver the service, and yes, you want to you make sure your guests, your customers are, are delighted, but you've got to make money at the end of the day. You have to generate a profit, otherwise you don't have a business, you have an expensive hobby that <laughs> your money. Um, you only have a business if it generates a profit. Yep. Um, so that commercialization, the sales culture would be missing. Um, the, one of the other key things that I would always find in, an un, in a dysfunctional, underperforming business was that the people would be disengaged. <clears throat> they would be you know, fed up, demotivated, no mission, no goals, no understanding of the bigger picture of why we were there. Well, they simply just don't understand what their job is for or what's trying to be achieved. They are just going through the motions because they were told to do. Um, going to work for them is a job. 
just over broke. Yep. You know, it's, it's all that all that they're doing, going through the motions and delivering, you know, collecting a paycheck at the end of yeah. the week, at the end of the month. Those two things, I think, are fundamental to the original question that you asked. Why does it matter? You need to have that commercial understanding within a business, particularly if you're a bigger organization and your sales force doesn't have that commercial focus. If they don't understand how they fit into the bigger picture to generate the profits, then you've got a problem. You've got a serious problem. And if, if that then leads to your sales force, but not just your sales force, your whole team within the business being disconnected, being disengaged, then the business is not going to work. It's not going to function. Yeah. And there will be huge opportunity, but you'll fail to achieve it. I think that's right. And you also find that with particularly bigger organizations, that the actual sales force, the sales force individuals, the reps, whatever you want to call them, don't actually know what each other's doing. So they don't share ideas, they don't share successes, and they're all doing their own little thing far and far apart. And they've got no connection or connected ideas between them, which is a, which is a waste of their energies. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think it's, especially in the sales world, it's always a risk. It's a fine line that you tread. I think, you know, one of the fundamental errors that a lot of businesses make, they assume that salespeople are motivated by money. So we'll just throw bonuses and targets and everything at the salespeople. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been involved in research in the past and consistently, whenever the question is asked of what motivates people, what inspires people to achieve great things, money invariably always comes probably about number six or number seven on the top 10 reasons. And without, without question, the number one reason that really inspires and motivates people is always doing meaningful work feeling part of a bigger, bigger picture, bigger organization. Now, <clears throat> salespeople, you know, effective salespeople by their very nature tend to be very competitive. They tend to, um, <clears throat> you know, they, they tend to be go-getters or self-motivated. They will deliver the income, the results that they need to deliver for themselves. That's yep. the key words. The really, really good salespeople are the ones who see themselves as part of the bigger picture part of the bigger organization but when that assumption is made that it's just money that motivates the salespeople, and we'll just we'll constantly fire targets you know they're achieving the targets so we need to stretch the targets a bit further to you know we can't make it too easy for them and um, <clears throat> that's when you really risk disengaging and losing yeah. your sales force and getting them into this kind of bunker mentality um, and you know, these reps could be really brilliant if there's nothing better than a rep then a customer saying to a rep, oh, can you help me do X? Mm -hmm. And you really want a rep to feel very comfortable saying, oh, well, you see, no, I can't help you do that, but I know exactly who can. And I'll get them on the phone right now and you can talk to them right now. Exactly. That's the connections you want. Yeah, really. That, <clears throat> that, it's the essence of networking in yep. reality. Um, and yeah, it takes quite a lot to turn around to someone and say, I'm maybe not the best person to do that for you. However, can I introduce you to Fred, who is the yep. real expert in that field? I mean, that takes real self-awareness. It takes self-confidence to admit, actually, no, there's someone else who can do that better for you, who, who is the expert in that particular area. But it's also a really good bit of sales because actually that customer who you're talking to like that is going to think, oh, that's kind. That's brilliant. I'll look forward to seeing you again because you might be able to help me with something else, eh? Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> as soon as you said that, there was an example that flashed straight into my mind from probably about seven or eight years ago. 
Um, in, in my former life, I used to live in the, mid, in the East Midlands, um, between Nottingham and, Nottingham and Grantham. Um, and I remember a um, car garage that had been recommended to me in Grantham, you know, one of these um, non-branded workshop repair places. Um, been recommended to me because I was relatively new in town, didn't know anywhere. Um, put my car in there for a bit of work. And the unbelievable thing happened. I got a phone call later that morning to say, Are you, you know, you said that you think that that's the problem with your car. We don't think so. We don't think that needs replacing. And I'm like, well, who's ever heard of a garage turning <laughs> down work? No. Quite. But guess what? They went up so much in my estimation because I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, you could easily have fleeced me for two or three hundred pounds, just done the job anyway. You're coming back to me and saying, well, no, we don't think that's what the problem is. Yeah. Um, so I, I had complete confidence to say to them, well, the car's not right, so can you figure out what is wrong? Um, and it came, it was, you know, a 20 pound part or something that needed replacing. Um, Needless to say, every time my car needed serviced, every time it needed MOT, about to say this, there was no question. It was yep. straight back in there. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a perfect way of customer service, and it's really what they what a sales conference should be about. A sales conference should be there. One of the things that should happen at a sales conference is that reps should talk to each other and say, "Have you been having trouble with this? Because I had a bit of trouble, and they said this, and then I asked X, and he could do that." and that's what should be happening there. Or to be drawing all your salespeople together so they can actually make sure they're all saying, having the same message that's useful, mm. but also helping each other with, you know, awkward customers because we all have them. Absolutely. Now, you know, you can guarantee, Sally, if, if you've got, well, if you've got five people in a sales team, if you've got 50 people, 500 people, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, it's a numbers game. I guarantee if salesman A is experiencing a problem, you know, I just can't get this aspect of the product across to my customers. I guarantee you that at least two of his colleagues will be having exactly the same problem. Yep. And if anything is, the fourth one that's having the same problem maybe has figured out the solution. Yep, exactly. And because they're, I mean, they are, it's hard being a rep. You're out on the road all the time on your own. You get home and the thing you don't really want to do is spend the evening on the telephone trying to work out a problem. <laughs> it's not, you know... It's yep. just, it's, it's blooming hard and sales, ref, sales conferences are there to kind of give them some support. And it's a kind of, it's a kind of, um, it's a bonus, but without having to give them money. It's a, such a benefit Absolutely. for reps to be together. Absolutely. There's, <clears throat> I think that's maybe one of the biggest tricks in the, the sales conferences and events that I've attended over the years. Um, it's what the really good ones have focused upon and, uh, and have achieved. And they're not so good ones, the ones that I've not felt so great about, you know, I'd say they, those are the ones that have missed that trick of actually getting people together, share share the pain points, share the celebrations, share the things that are going well. But, you know, it's building that team spirit that actually you don't have five or 10 or 50 individual reps. You've got a team of people who actually have common goals, common challenges. Yeah. Somebody within that group, the bigger the group, the more likelihood somebody's going to have the answer to the problem that quite a few of them are, um, yeah, are experiencing. But the nature of traditional salespeople is not to be open and sharing in that respect. Yeah, exactly. I'm all right, Jack. I can do it. I'll work it out. Yeah. yeah. So who else should go to a sales conference apart from all these lovely reps? Mm, great question. Great question, Sally. Um, <clears throat> you know, for me, 
any sales conference, any, any company event is the opportunity to get differing opinions, to get different um, functions within the organization together. And yeah, we, we've, we've already mentioned a couple of times how isolating the sales team can be sometimes. Um, they can be isolated by others in the organization, but they can be quite isolating of themselves as well. Um, you know, the real, the real benefit is when you bring all of that together. Um, some of the most successful events have been where I've seen operations people and especially marketing people yeah. brought together. Really, when you bring the ops people, the marketing people and the sales force together in a safe, open environment where they can share views and opinions, um, I mean, in, in your experience, you've probably encountered the same thing where marketing, sales are often pitched against each other. Yep. They're often used as the convenient excuse when something's not going right. Oh, well, it's the sales guys don't know how to sell it. Yep. The sales team, our marketing keeps giving us all these duff messages <clears throat> that the customers don't understand. Yeah. Imagine if you bring those conversations together. Exactly. I mean, it should be the prime time for the marketing people to actually sit down with the salesperson and say, we think the customer looks like this. Mm. Are we right? Is that what they're looking for? Is yeah. When you yeah. talk to them, is that what they're saying? And with the yeah. salespeople to say, well, yeah, this bit of this catalogue's nearly right, but actually we need it to be smaller or we want it to have this thing at the beginning, not that thing at the end, or the mm. posters need to be... 10 times bigger or we don't need posters at all we never use them all of that kind of conversation has to happen all the time and what a sales conference ought to do is make um marketeers and sales reps be able to talk to each other outside the conference so that you can actually maybe do that mad thing and just phone a rep up how strange would that be Oh, too scary for words, but it's what it's what the relationship should be building inside the yep. sales conference. Yep. And as you say, you, you're so right with getting the operations staff there. The people who people who you never see, and mm. that's the warehouse staff. They <laughs> <clears throat> exist. Do we, do we actually have them? Oh, well, so, well, they're obviously fairies. I mean, we don't really know who does it, but you never see the warehouse stuff and they should be at the sales conference because they're, they're the poor people that have to do all the end bit of the work. Yes. So we marketeers have, you know, put together a brilliant plan and marketed it. The reps have shoved it into the retail chain. And then the poor warehouse people are the people that have got to actually put these things in a box package it in this weird way you've said it would be packaged in mm. pink paper with blue stars on the outside and then put it in the post and get it to you within three days mm. yep and they've so got to be there so you can talk to them and i mean often i, I absolutely sympathize with warehouse people and if they sit there raging that's a good thing because we need them to rage before the before the mistake happens yeah yeah how <clears throat> how powerful would it be within it, within any organization really if you had those key critical departments talking to each other you know mark you know marketing goes to sales and says we've got this great idea this is a new product that that exec wants to bring to market and this is what we're thinking about it what do you guys think Yep. How do you think the customer base is going to react to this? Yep. Instead of sticking it out there, right, throw it out to market, you then get the sales force going around saying, well, customers don't like it. Customers don't get it. They don't understand it. Yep. But you've already invested time, money, resource into, into producing a campaign. 
by that point it's too late yep and then if you've said it's going to come in um crystal clear plastic which is going to be packaged like this and we're going to be able to deliver it to you on a flying carpet then it's i mean it's the it's the sales it's the it's the warehouse people that then have to make that happen because that's what we've promised without without saying asking them whether that's going to be feasible yeah without any and that's often such a huge gap yeah absolutely just imagine you know <clears throat> if if marketing people and the sales people let's take a great design a great example of some of the great marketing sales campaigns that have flopped in the past <clears throat> remember the old coca-cola changing the recipe mm. i wonder at what point in that process did exec go to marketing marketing thought all right we need to get behind this guys because it's what what the execs say we need to do yeah <clears throat> off we go throw out the new product sales are out there saying oh, customers are never going to like this no they like what we've got yep what happens look at the disaster that um yep that befell them um, and then a couple of years later having to backtrack classic coke we're going back to the old recipe yeah that's right and then it was, it was such a waste of money and that they could have avoided all of that probably by just asking two reps it probably didn't even need massive market research etc yeah. etc they could have just asked two reps and if they trusted them you're absolutely right. They would have said, you must be joking. <laughs> Why would you? Yeah. How are we going to sell this into pub chains? You know, exactly. what? you know, nonsense. But it happens all the time. I mean, you see it all the time. That's why sometimes when the um, product developers go to sales conferences, you can see them sitting there. They tend to be in a little tiny bit of a bubble often. Um, and you can see them a bit scared of the salespeople because the salespeople are very often going to tell them the truth. Mm, yeah. And that's exactly what should happen. If there's, I used to work for publishing and you know, you'll hear them, they'll be presented with, you know, this is the latest novel by X, this famous author, isn't this exciting? And if you listen carefully, you can hear some of the reps going, Oh, for God's sake, not another one. <laughs> Yeah. quite a lot of trouble with the last one we'll see how this one goes but you know and all they'd have had to do is listen a bit harder earlier and maybe not commissioned it eh mm, absolutely yeah, <clears> i mean <throat> it's, it's just the other people that ought to be at sales conferences that never get invited are the finance people oh now there's an interesting concept yeah, an interesting one. Because really, I mean, finance people, they're weird and scary and you can never, ever really talk to them or indeed understand anything they say, but you know it's very important. Um, but actually, you know, if you get the finance people there, they're humans too, and sales conference are fun. I mean, you can have a lot of a laugh at a sales conference and it's those outside the sessions conversations where the magic happens, isn't it, really? It's those times when you're having a an evening drink with somebody or a coffee after lunch or something where you say one little thing like oh i simply haven't got enough money to market this it's dreadful mm. and all of a sudden the, the lights will come on in the finance people and they'll say oh well this is, seems to be really important why haven't you got enough money and they'll help you when i, I worked at penguin once and we had these a regular big sales conference right and we invited the um finance director and we really invited him not 
to be honest, rather arrogantly, not because we thought he was going to have any good ideas, but just because we thought it was quite good fun at a dinner party. <laughs> but, but we invited him. So he went to all the conference sessions and saw all these books being advertised. And he said, um, so how much does it cost to market these? I mean, I know what the budget is, but, you know, how much does it cost to produce a catalogue and a bit of point of sale? And what, you know, what is the unit cost? And we said, well, it's this and it's a bit tight. So we have to cut the corners here, there and everywhere. And he said, this is ridiculous. Why has nobody ever said this to me before? Mm. Why don't we just revisit the budget and restructure it so that you've got enough money at the right time to do this? And he would never have done that if we hadn't invited him to a sales conference. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. But how many, how often do you see that there's a, a presumption made, oh, don't bother, don't bother bringing finance into the equation because they'll yep. just cut the budget. They'll just, you know, they, they won't understand. Yep. Well, help them to understand. Make them understand. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and ultimately, you know, if you've got that team spirit with clear, understood goals within the organisation, well, everyone should be buying into that. Yeah, absolutely. And they might understand that finance are great people for reforecasting. So, you know, your budget's not doing so well. Let's reforecast. Ah. Yep. If you bring them into the sales conferences, they, under, they will understand the ramifications that has on the sales reps. Because all of a sudden, the sales reps have been given target A. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, it's turned into target A times 1,200%. And the sales reps are going, <laughs> what? And the sales, the finance staff will suddenly go, oh, actually, that's just not logistically possible, is it? Don't you think that really finance is so important? They ought to be invited to everything. <clears throat> it, it is fundamental. It's critically important. I mean, ultimately, the finance people, um, the FD, whoever, whoever ultimately has got to sign off on that, has got control as to whether that project, that product, that initiative goes ahead or not. Yeah. <clears throat> equally they've got the power they've got the accountability of if we're gonna do this has it been adequately resourced has it been properly financed so that this is going to work and sales conferences are such a good way to get that into the culture and into so that's how you breathe it so that when you're first of all having an idea about a product possibly the first people you go and see is finance no, with a member of the sales team sitting on the finances lap to make sure you've got the two most important characters in the picture before you go too far ahead. Mm, mm. So really, it should, you know, that's exactly well, what should be happening. One of the things that's always fascinated me over the years is why, why organisations end up with these internal battles, with these internal conflicts between what are often seen as being opposing departments within the business. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I've got a dear friend within the hotel sector who refers to his finance colleagues as the business, business prevention department. <laughs> and I, I can understand why he says that. Um, <clears throat> ultimately, he's the CEO of the company that he, he co-founded. Um, I guess he's in a position where, but, you know, I, I find it very amusing that, oh, I need, I need to go and see business prevention. <laughs> You're right. And, <clears throat> you know, ultimately, finance have got their job to do. Can we balance the books? Can we generate a profit here? But they can only do their job when marketing is creating the interest and the desire for the products that, that you're looking to sell. Yep. And if the sales force are out there delivering the sales. Absolutely. And one cannot function without the other. No, it's one holistic shape, isn't it? You can't, you can't just suck a little bit out and say, well, they can operate over here on their own, do their own thing. It's just not feasible. I mean, that does happen because in businesses, we have this 
horrific habit of becoming siloed. Yes. And very rare is it that anyone ever goes through the doors to cross the silos. No. <clears throat> now, some of, the, some of the best businesses that I've worked for have been the, the ones who have broken down those barriers. You know, the, the ones I remember working for a, um, an operations director a number of years ago who once a year he would <clears throat> step out of the office for a week and he would do the back to the floor exercise. Yep. <clears throat> now, really, really powerful exercise. To get the most of it, you've got to be careful how you manage it. You know, is it going to be stage managed when operations director comes out of head office, comes to the unit and he's stripping beds, working in housekeeping? You know, how many members of frontline four staff would, would actually have the confidence and the ability to go to him and say, hey, you know what, Nick, this is a problem that we really face day in, day out. If you could fix this for us, yeah. things would be so much better. When, when, when that happens, so powerful, so hugely exactly. powerful. Don't give him the trolley that they're trolleying that's got the, that, that hasn't got the wonky wheel, that doesn't go straight. Because, you know, don't let him be there with um, fresh paint smells everywhere. Give him the ones that don't work. Give him the towels <clears throat> that got static so badly that your hair stands on end. You know, yeah. do all that. Don't make it comfy. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I, I learned that lesson and I've used it used it a number of times in, in my career since then of exactly that if the chief exec's coming to do his grand tour of the nation you know i'll subtly make sure that he's sitting in the broken chair with a spring sticking sticking through yep. the pad because Absolutely. you know i'll happily take the telling off for a couple of minutes knowing that by the end of the day you'll have signed off a purchase order that i can replace the chairs yes exactly exactly and that's what matters like for instance when i was a marketing director i used to make the marketing executives and marketing managers do a job swap with a rep. Mm. So they would have to go out with a rep and, and I would make them try and get them to do it four times a year. Um, but just go with the rep in a car because it's a lot, it's a blooming hard work out in the, you have to get up at the crack of dawn, get in a car for a long time, find a parking space, tee hee, um, find all that coinage that you haven't got to put in a, in a, yep and get to pay for your parking etc etc and then get to a shop to sell books where actually the person you've been arranging you've arranged to meet isn't there oh it's always a good one isn't it so yeah. you can't do the sales and it's important that the marketing rep understands the marketing set understands that this poor rep can't carry five catalogues three sample copies of every single new book you're, book you're doing um, a bag of, of blown up balloons to make the buyer happy and some cake this just isn't possible and they've got to see why it's not possible just not go oh well they're not trying but at the same time i'd bring the reps back into the office and make yeah. them sit next to a marketing exec and see why it's not possible for a marketing exec to just quickly do a catalogue mm. oh we've, we really need this could you do this for us by tomorrow and they need to understand it's not us just being lazy or awkward it's actually physically impossible Absolutely. and it, make, it breaks down those silos really powerfully and then all of a sudden they're all singing from the same song sheet and you actually get much more out of the whole process mm, yeah now that <clears throat> getting getting the the different functions within the business getting the whole team to act and think like one whole team yeah and, you know, when you get that mind shift where where somebody has the shift from thinking well i'm the most important part of the business to then realizing ah, you know what i now realize that i am that cog in the chain that gets us from sales lead 
actually new customer acquisition. Yeah. And you're so right that warehousing, production, operations, marketing, finance, all has a role to yeah. play in that chain. Well, thank you very much there, Barry and Sally, for part one of your meander through sales conferences. It's fascinating stuff already. And I know at the beginning of part two, there are some very interesting stories from Ford Motors. So please do watch out for that. It should be with you in the next week or so. Um, if you'd like to find out more about Barry's background and his work, he's actually available on LinkedIn or at dunedonconsultancy.co.uk. Please join us next time and we look forward to seeing you then. Bye for now.